0: Okay, welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see everyone. I think I said hi to everyone tonight. If I don't know you, I'm Dan, and I have not. Do you guys realize? (laughs) I'm surprised. That's probably why you're coming back. I have not preached a message in this room since January. I think that's the longest I've ever went without preaching, and my wife is like, you need to go preach, because I get a little cranky when I don't get to preach for some reason, so I'm really glad to be here tonight, but I'm really nervous. So, if I talk really fast, unusually fast, you'll know why, because you guys are freaking me out a little bit by looking at me. I should have you all turn around and look the other way. I would feel better about the whole thing that way. So, anyway, tonight what we're going to do, we're going to start a two week series. And the two week series that we're going to start is titled Empty, okay? Week one, obviously, we're titling it Empty Praise, and I'll get into why I titled it this way in just a little bit, but I want you to hang on to that idea of empty for a minute, okay, because I want to camp there. God's kind of laid this word on my heart, just understanding, and in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, we are told that we have empty lives by Peter, and he's talking to believers, and we have been redeemed not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to give us a full life. So we have to realize that before we're saved, we're actually dead in our sins and trespasses, according to Romans, okay? So this idea of emptiness, I believe we can still be empty, even as believers, if we're not living a full life in Christ. So I want you to hang on to that idea of empty. But tonight, the first question I've got for you before I get into the message is, at your tables, I want you to do this. I want you to discuss, if Jesus walked into the room tonight, now think about this, I want you to take this series for just a second, okay? If Jesus Christ himself walked through that door over there on my right tonight and walked into this room, how would you respond? What would be your response to the Lord showing up directly? Lexi said earlier, I'd be like, oh my gosh, why am I still here? Because I'm supposed to be gone, and I would be in trouble because I should be raptured by then. So I think that's a pretty good way to put it, but how would you respond If Jesus walked in the room tonight, talk about it at your tables for a minute, and we'll go back to the message here in just a moment. I'm going to get into this tonight. Hopefully, my voice will hold up because I've been speaking all day. I went to FCA twice at Campbell County High School, and if you're at Thunder Basin High School, you might not be excited about this, but I finally get to go back to FCA. They're finally going to let me into school tomorrow, so I'm pretty stoked about that, so pretty excited I get to go do that, but I've been talking all day, so hopefully my voice will hold up tonight as I share what's on my heart. Okay, here's the deal. And I'm going to use this idea of a homecoming parade, okay? Because there's a lot of athletes. Who's an athlete in the room? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're an athlete. There are a lot of athletes in the room, okay? Um, think about your homecoming parade for a second, okay? If I'm, if I'm just a, a citizen in Gillette, Wyoming, let's say, and I'm standing on the sidewalk at the homecoming parade, and I see Brady come by, and I see Alex and Kendra and a couple of you other come by in your homecoming parade, I know what you do. You're an athlete. Play volleyball, play soccer, play football, play basketball, whatever that is. I know what you do, but I don't know you. That's the temperament in which we see going on in this story that we're going to look at tonight. A lot of the people know what Jesus has done, but they don't know who he is. Let me set the, let me set the stage for you for just a minute, because we're going to look into the book of John, chapter 12, chapter 12 verses 12 through 19, if you don't have a bulletin, please go grab one while I set the stage on this message real quick, I would appreciate that a bunch, so here's what's going on, in John chapter 11, we see Jesus perform a miracle, and the miracle is this, Jesus shows up in Beth, around the area of Bethany, and he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead okay? This is in John chapter 11. This is just the day before the story that we're going to look at, okay? So in John chapter 11, Jesus shows up four days after Lazarus has been in the grave. Martha tells him, Lord, don't get him out of the grave because if you do, he's going to smell because he's been in there for four days dead, wrapped in his grave clothes. <clears throat> and in that, G- Jesus in G- John eleven thirty-five, 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, And I think Jesus wept for two reasons. One, his friend Lazarus had passed away. But the second was Jesus had to be standing here in the middle of this, watching the weeping, watching death and everything going on, thinking to himself, it wasn't supposed to be like this at the beginning. This is not how he created this whole world that we're supposed to be living in now that has fallen. So Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and then he goes back to Bethany, and he goes to Lazarus, Martha, and Mary's house, who are good friends with him. And he spends the night at Bethany. Then the next day is Sunday, okay? And it's the first day of the week, as theologians refer to, as Holy Week or Passion Week. And what that means is this. Jesus is walking into his last week before he's going to end up on a cross and in in a tomb at the end of this week. So this day is referred to unusual like, and I'll talk about it hopefully if God reminds me at the end of this, it's referred to as the triumphal entry, So here's what it looks like. Jesus comes down out of Bethany, and it's east of Jerusalem. So if I can stand, if you guys have my back, if you're looking at a map, east of Jerusalem is this thing called the Mount of Olives. And it's about two to three miles long. Jerusalem is up here on a hill, and he's at Bethany. So they go in, and they cross over the Mount of Olives, go down through the Kidron Valley, Valley, and they end up in Jerusalem. Okay. But when Jesus tops the Mount of Olives, and he looks over the city, I'll talk about that in just a minute, what starts to happen here is everybody is excited because Jesus just performed a miracle. And what is going on this week in Jerusalem is what they refer to as a Passover festival. The Passover festival, the reason why everybody's getting together is because of the book of Exodus when all the Israelites were rescued out of slavery from the Egyptians. That was the Passover. So all these years later, they're still celebrating the Passover festival in Jerusalem as Jewish people, as Israel. So that's what's going on. So there's a lot of people gathered around because of the Fe- Passover festival in Jerusalem, but there's also a lot of people coming around Jesus because of the miracle that he just before performed the day before. Now, think about this. I got a pretty good hunch, and I think I'm right on this if I looked at Scripture. Lazarus, the guy that he raised from the grave, the dead, he's got to be with them. How'd you like to be Lazarus? You're dead for four days, and now you're alive and you're walking around with Jesus again. <clears throat> Sometimes I think we miss Scripture. That'd be kind of an interesting night for Lazarus to think I was dead and now I'm alive. Makes sense, but I'm gonna let me challenge you with something. If give, you've given your life to Christ, you were dead and now you're alive. Do you look at it the same way? See, we look at being raised from the dead in a body as a miracle, which it is. But we're all going to die unless the Lord returns. We're all going to die. The miracle in my mind, just as a rabbit trail for a second, is salvation. Because when I give my life to Christ and He's forgiven me of my sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm brought from death to life. And I live forever in or out of this body. I'm alive. So that's a miracle. So, anyway, let me read the scripture. That kind of sets the stage for the scripture that we're going to look at, okay? I'm going to read through the scripture and then we'll go point by point and go back to the scripture and read it one more time. Let me read the whole thing here John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So you see that. The next, day, the next day is the day after he raised Lazarus from the grave, okay? They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and sat on it. As it was written, don't be afraid, daughter Zion, that's Israel, see your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That's in Zechariah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. That's an Old Testament prophecy. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. They were confused. They were expecting something else. Only after Jesus was glorified, in other words, raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these <clears throat> things he had, had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. That's what you see on this road that we're talking about. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. That's 12 through 9, John chapter 12. Okay. So what I want to look at tonight, Corey, if you'd bring up the first point for me, The first thing we see here is an expressive crowd in verse 13. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. I want to read you guys something. Out of Zechariah, this is an Old Testament prophecy. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says this. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes, righteous and victorious, riding lowly and riding a donkey on a colt the fall of a donkey. That's what he's doing here. So you see Jesus riding down into Jerusalem, riding through the Kidron Valley, up across the way, getting up into Jerusalem. And all these people are waving palm branches at him and saying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So they're expressing themselves to Jesus Christ. But I'm going to talk about this all the way through this. They're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. They're doing it for what he had done, not who he was. And I'm going to beat that drum all the way through this message. So hang on to that thought. The very first thing we see here is using these palm branches and, ho- and shouting Hosanna is celebrating Jesus coming into Jerusalem. The word Hosanna, you ever heard the song Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest? Does anybody know what the word means? See how we do that? We sing, we praise. We don't have any idea what we're singing sometimes. And that's okay, because there was a time I didn't know either. The word Hosanna literally means save or to express praise. That's what you see here, okay? To save or to express praise. But here's why I talked about the homecoming thing earlier. All these people along the road that are putting their cloaks in front of the donkey and waving their palm branches and yelling Hosanna in the highest, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, they don't know him. It'd be like me looking at a homecoming parade and watching the athletes go by knowing what they do, but I don't know who they are. And many people in the crowd that day heard about, watched, saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the grave, and they were there for the miracles. They were there for the wrong reason. When you're reading your Bible, you've heard me teach this before, when you're reading your Bible, read it, Jesus does miraculous things, yes, yes. But you're not going to end up long-term following him and enduring through hard times if you don't follow him for who he is. And we see that in the way they're expressing it. See, what they really wanted to express was they thought laying out palm branches and doing this normally is a sign of a national symbol of liberation. They thought that Jesus was coming to liberate them from Rome. They thought he was their national liberator. He was a political messiah is what they thought. That's not why he came. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He come the first time he came to be a suffering servant. So when you see this, they think he's going to be a political messiah. That's why they're expressing themselves. But here's my question. For you guys, I'm going to give you questions throughout this message that I'm going to have you talk about in your small groups. How do you express yourself as a Christian? How do you do that? See, these people were expressing themselves by praising God. They were empty praises. There's no doubt about it. This is why I titled this message, Empty Praise, because they did not know him. Most there did not know him. They just knew about what he did, so their praise was empty. Have you ever been at a church service, a Thursday night worship service, a Wednesday night youth group, and you see people raising their hand, and they're praising the Lord? But when you look across the room at this person, you see how they're living at school, and it doesn't line up? That's what was going on here. They were praising out of their mind. You guys all go to sports events, right? I've been in student sections. I've watched student sections. You act a fool. I'm not picking at that. Keep doing that. It's awesome. But when you're watching a game, and you're not even on the floor, you're up in the stands cheering your brains out Dressed up, painted up, got your hands in here, screaming like crazy, right? Keep doing it. I'm not picking at that. But how do you express yourself when it comes to Christ? Coming here on a Wednesday night. I'm not about to act like I'm excited about God. Because somebody might watch me. Somebody might judge me. That's a game, I don't care. Here? Isn't it crazy how we act as Christians? We all do it, including me. Because we're worried about what other people are thinking, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So that's the first thing you see here, is you see an expressive crowd in verse 13. The second thing you see is an expectant crowd. Verse 14 through 16, bring that one up, Corey. It says this, Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, like we were talking about out of Zechariah. As it was written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion, see your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, the disciples didn't understand all this. That's where they were confused. They were expecting something else out of Jesus. Only after he was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. They were expecting something totally different than what they got. That's where you see an expectant crowd looking at this, looking at what Jesus does and doesn't do, not who he is. They missed that he was the Messiah, the suffering servant who we're going to sing about in a little bit, the the, 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 the Lord that we sang about earlier when we were doing worship. So you see this, but certainly when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, this is the first time, by the way, In any part of scripture that I've ever read that I've searched out, this is the first time where Jesus allows a public gathering, a public spectacle on his behalf. See, he is letting them know he is their king. He is the king of Israel. He is not trying to hide that. He says in John John, 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 149, at the beginning of the uh, book of John, it says, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus is letting everyone know that that's true. Pilate put up on the cross, the king of the Jews. He is king. He is letting them know that he is king, but they missed the type of king he was coming to be. Again, they thought he was going to be a political king. He thought that was the king. They were going to overthrow Rome, and they missed the whole thing. They had no idea what they were doing, what he was really, really up to. The king had come, but it was the wrong kind of king that they expected. When they realized, when they realized that Jesus wasn't going to do what they thought that he was going to do, on Sunday, they're shouting Hosanna. On Friday, they're shouting crucify him. Because as soon as Jesus, they, they didn't get the Jesus they expected, they turned on him. Think about that. The crowd is going crazy. There's all sorts of people waving palm branches because they were expecting something Jesus never said he was going to do. What do you expect out of Jesus? Since you've been a Christian, have you gotten the Jesus that you expected I think if you read scripture in such a manner that you look for who he is, not what he does or doesn't do, you'll follow him, and that will be the Jesus that you expect, because that's the Jesus that come to save your soul, to come to forgive you and rescue you from sin and keep you from going to hell. That's why he came this time. He will come back as a conquering king the next time, but this time, he came as a suffering servant. So what kind of Jesus do you expect? That's the question I would have for you guys. The third thing is this: an excited crowd. Verse seventeen and eighteen says this. Now, the crowd that was with that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Did you see what happened? Did you hear? how, How often have we spread the word about Jesus today? Think about this. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. They were going around telling everybody, have you seen what he's done? They continued to spread the word to many people because they heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him, and they were out of their minds excited. But why they were excited was the wrong reason. They were excited because he'd raised Lazarus from the grave. And that's why you see an excited crowd, but you see just a superficial excitement. I think a lot of people do this when they first get saved. I think they're excited because they've been brought from death to life and they see this experience and they're excited about the experience. But unless we're careful and that seed falls on rocky soil, the scripture says, and we don't allow God to till that soil of our heart and we don't allow him that seed to grow down deep in us, it's superficial and we walk away from it. Because again, they were very excited about what was going on because he had done this. But here's the deal. It's, very, it's made very clear in chapter 11 when Jesus says, He did not do this for popularity, raising Lazarus from the dead. He didn't do it to be popular. He did it for God's glory. What about you? See, here's the deal. God's talked to me about all this already. All these questions I've had to answer before God myself. And it struck me when I started reading this that they were were following Jesus because of the popularity that he didn't even want. He did everything he did for the glory of God, for the glory of the Father, it says. And he made that very clear when he raised Lazarus from the, from the grave. So what about you? Do you do what you do for popularity? Or do you do what you do for God? Let's just be honest. Do I want you guys to like me? Yes. It would break my heart to find out that you guys hated my guts. Okay, I would be, I'm guessing if you hated me, you wouldn't be here. So that's a good thing. But do I want you guys to like me? Yes. But my popularity is not where I base my decisions. Do you? See, my popularity, my decisions are based on God's glory, not on how popular I am. Do I want to be liked? I used to say a long time ago, I could care less if you guys like me. That's a lie because I do care if you like me but I don't base who I am on your approval of who I am. Does that make sense to you guys? So when you get up in the morning, ladies, and you're getting ready for school, are you dressing for popularity or are you dressing for God? When you're walking the halls, ladies ladies at school, and you see a group of girls who are gossiping about someone else, which I know you girls never do because girls don't gossip, right? Yeah, I'm being a little facetious there, obviously. Are you joining in on the gossip because you want to be popular and you want to fit into the group? Or are you making the decision to walk away from it because you want to honor God and bring glory to Him first? You want to be popular. We want to fit in. We want to be in the crowd. But is that where we base our decisions? Because Jesus did not do that. He based it on God's glory. While all this was going on, the crowds screaming, waving branches, you, I, I don't know if you guys can see it. In my mind, my mind works this way. I can see the crowd. I can see Jesus sitting on a donkey, his feet dragging on the ground because it's a colt of a donkey. I can see they're throwing their cloaks over the, over the colt so he can sit on it, which is a sign of royalty. People are literally throwing their cloaks in front of this donkey as it's walking down the street. And all these people are cheering and screaming and yelling and raising a fuss and acting a fool. You know what Jesus is doing the whole time That happened. That's happening. It says, the scripture says Jesus was weeping. So in two chapters, we see Jesus break down twice in tears. One, John 11, 35, with his friend Lazarus and what was going on in that situation. Here, can you imagine missing the whole thing as a crowd? Watching the Lord weeping, looking over Jerusalem because he knew what they were gonna be going through. He says in, see if I can remember where this is at. In Matthew 23, 37 it says this in the same scenario in the same story how often i have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under their under her wings but you were not willing jesus is looking over jerusalem you guys and he is weeping and the reason why he wept and he he said this to jerusalem how i longed listen to me tonight if you're sitting in this room how i longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks and hides him under her wings for protection. Is that you in this room tonight? Has Jesus been longing and speaking to your heart, wanting to gather you near to him? Because that's what he's talking about. And Jesus was weeping, and the reason why he was weeping is he knew about 30 years, a few, little over 30 years down the road, around 70 A.D., Jerusalem was going to be utterly destroyed. There'd be destruction. There would be all kinds of different things going on in that story. It would be destruction, war, suffering, scattering of people. See, he knew what lie ahead for Jerusalem. And he told them, oh, how I wished you would let me gather you together. So if Jesus is weeping, and he wept for the reason that he knew what they were going to be going through, and he spoke up and said, how I wish, how I longed. Can you imagine the Lord longing to gather us together? To gather you in as a chick and a hen and put his wings over you and protect you? And you reject that? See, he's faithful to speak to our hearts. But here's the deal. If he had the foreknowledge to know what Jerusalem was going to go through, guess what? We should listen to him. Because he has the foreknowledge to know what we're going to go through. And when we pray and God gives us open doors and closes doors and he gives us yeses and he gives us nos and things don't go well and some things go well, we've got to trust that God has a plan for our lives. And we've got to trust that if we just listen to him in chapter 10 of John, he says, they are my sheep, they listen to my voice and they follow me. Just do what he says, you guys. See, the one, I don't know much, but I do know this. The Holy Spirit of God is faithful to speak to our hearts. Are you going to be faithful enough and obedient enough to listen and then follow him and do what he says to do? And if not, you're going to to suffer consequences for it. Exactly like Jerusalem did, 30-plus years later, they were literally completely destroyed. The city that Jesus wept over. Jesus had come to defeat a greater enemy than Rome. Jesus had come to defeat death, Satan, the devil, sin, and death. And guess what? He did it. Jesus says, I hold the keys to death and Hades. And we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Everything he came to do, he did. He's a conquering king, and he's coming back that way. But he's our Savior and our Lord now. That's why we should be excited. I was praying earlier in this room, and I prayed that, Lord, I am excited to get to do this tonight. But I want to be like he told the disciples when they came back in from sharing all the good news. He says, don't be excited because you cast out demons be excited that your name's written in the lamb's book of life be excited that your name is written in the book of life that's why we should be excited you guys that's that excitement you will endure and you will you will you'll persevere through the tough times fourth thing is this You see, exasperated Pharisees. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Real quick in this, I'm going to close this up with this and let you get to your small groups. The Pharisees were the self-righteous people that Jesus couldn't stand. The only people you really see Jesus coming down on the scripture are these guys, the Pharisees, and they hated his guts. And it says here in, I think it's in John, if you want to write this note down, John chapter 5, verse 18, it talks about how they wanted to kill him. Because he claimed to be God. Jesus claimed to be God. That's why they wanted to kill him. And the Pharisees hated Jesus simply because he was getting all their popularity and sucking all their power away from him. And he, they hated him and they were trying to figure out a way with this huge crowd, how do we get a hold of this guy where we can take his life and get rid of him and be done with him once and for all? but you've got to remember this, and we'll talk about this next week. Jesus says this in John chapter 10 as well, no one takes my life. I lay down my life so I can take it up again. You know why he laid down his life? For you and me and the whole world. But see, that's a provision that we have to accept. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's who we're talking about, God the Father loves you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you, to ride across this Kidron Valley up into Jerusalem, knowing He knew what He was going to go through a few days later. He, he knew when all these people were singing Hosanna and praising Him, that within days they would be shouting, crucify Him. Let me lay this at your feet real quick while I'm thinking about it. When you come in here on a Wednesday night, you're going to have an opportunity in just a few minutes to, to sing a worship song and praise Jesus. And I want to challenge you to think about this with all your heart. We come in here on a Wednesday night and we will lift our hands and we will sing songs and we will listen to scripture and we will believe and you guys will leave this room and walk through that door and go outside and get on social media and live like you want to crucify him. We'll sing Hosanna. We'll praise him. We'll lift his name on high on a Sunday morning. But how are you living from Monday to Saturday? Are you saying Hosanna on a Sunday and living Monday through Saturday a life that would say crucify him? I don't want to have anything to do with him. It's just a thought. These are thoughts that God gives me, so I'm laying at your feet, okay? Get in your groups. Talk about some of the stuff we visited tonight. Answer those questions, and we'll wrap it up here in a few minutes um, with a worship song. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention back to the front of the room. It's getting late. We've got to get this thing wrapped up so we can get you guys home to do homework and stuff. i got one statement to make. And then here's what I want to do. I want you guys, I want to close with the song. I know it's about a four-minute-long four song. But this song is another song. This same song will play next week during the message. But I pray that you guys understand this idea of empty praise. I never want you to be in a spot where you're the one standing alongside the road, waving palm branches, going Hosanna in the highest in your heart on a Sunday morning, riding in your car, by yourself at your home, walking in the halls of school, I never want you to be in a spot where you're, you have empty praise that you're going through. And if you are, you ask God to light a fire in your heart. Believers or non-believers alike, we need the Lord, and we need to be able to praise him with a full heart, okay? Because we need to believe with all of our hearts, even if we don't understand everything, we need to believe with our full hearts this. In this coming that we're talking about tonight, Jesus would not sit on a king's throne, He did not come to sit on the king's throne this week that we're talking about, but he did come. Instead, he came to drink a cup and to be lifted up on a cross. That's why he came. But I want you guys to always remember, that's how much God loves you, that he would allow his son to go through what he went through that we're gonna talk about next week with an empty cross and an empty tomb. I want you guys to hang on to that. And while we sing this song tonight, and then we're gonna close real quick after that song, After we, when we're singing this song tonight, I really want you guys to do this for me. I want you to really allow God to search your heart. And are you praising? Do you have empty praise going on in your life? Or with a full heart, do you believe by faith what we're about to sing? Corey, please. In heaven, I pray over this group of people here tonight, including myself, Lord, that we never have the experience of empty praise. And I really believe, Lord that if we express ourselves as Christians and all that we do in word and deed to your glory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then we're expressing our Christianity properly with you in mind, considering Christ in everything that we do. And if we just expect you to be a, a, a Lord and a Savior, the one who gave his life on a cross for us and was buried in a tomb, and three days later rose from the grave and now sits at the right hand of the Father, right now interceding and praying for each one of us, that's what we should expect. Help us to read Scripture, Lord, in a way where we get to know you. Yes, you do miraculous things in our lives. We read it in Scripture, and we see it in our own experience. But may we follow you because of who you are, and may we never be the crowd on the side of the road who just looks at what you do and not at who you are. That way we'll expect a God who doesn't promise to fix everything, but we expect a God who promises to walk through everything with us and gives us the grace to live to your glory. And Lord, may we be like the disciples when Jesus told them when they came back in after going out, the 72 going out and sharing the good news, and they came back and they were so excited, casting out demons, sharing the good news, and Jesus told them, be excited about this. Be excited that your name is written in the book of life. May we never get over being saved. May we never get over that we, are, we know you and that you know us and our names are written in the book of life. And Lord, may our, may our lives, may the aroma of our lives never be like the Pharisees where we get self-righteous and we get critical and we want to be gone and have nothing to do with you. And I really believe, Lord, if we never get over being saved, if we never get over realizing that we've been brought from death to life by the blood of Jesus Christ and our resurrected Savior, I believe we'll never get critical and we'll never be self-righteous if we never get over being saved. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would brand these things upon our hearts and that we would know with all of our heart that you paid the ransom for our sin. And our names are written in the book of life. And if there's anyone in this room tonight, Lord, that's not, I just pray that you continue to talk to them. I know your Holy Spirit is faithful to speak to those that don't know you because you're wooing them near, you're calling them near. And I pray for them, Lord, that when they hear your voice, they would just be obedient and be willing to surrender their lives to you so they don't have to live an empty life here on earth apart from you. We love you praise you, and thank you for all the gifts, seen and unseen, and for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.